Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott and my anchor of a co-host, Tim Wurzberger. Tim, I mean anchor in the nicest possible way. So how are you? From you, John, I'll take that. That's a W for me, so I'll, I'll go with that. Well, sometimes anchor is a good thing when, you know, people get a little too inflated ego. They need an anchor to, you know, keep them, keep them down on earth, maybe. I don't know. That's what I'm doing for you, Tim. Or you're doing for me, maybe. Yes. Yeah, it goes both ways. My head gets a little too big sometimes. But anyways, other than that, we have some big, I would call it big news in the NHL. Some people kind of, maybe it's a blip on their radar, but Jim Rutherford stepped down, surprisingly. Pittsburgh has, has started the season fairly good. Like I, I think they're doing well in their division. I think they're 4-1-2, and two, which is a great start for them. I think everyone projected them to kind of have a down year. They didn't do anything in the offseason too insane. They let Matt Murray walk, kind of gave the reins to the Tristan Jari or Tristan Jerry, whatever his name is. So he stepped down for undisclosed reasons. He said it was a personal, personal things happening in his own life. So who knows what that means? But he's older. I think he's in his 70s, and he decided he's had enough with Pittsburgh. You know, has he left an imprint? Uh, has, he, has there been a GM who's left a bigger imprint on a team than Jim Rutherford in the, such a short time frame? It's hard to think of any examples. I mean, like, we, we actually, as I was doing prep for this show, I was thinking about the one we did a couple months ago where Pierre Lacroix uh, passed away and the yep. legacy that he left uh, with the Colorado Avalanche, really just uh, the impact that he had on that franchise and the trades that he made with Ray Bork and Patrick Waugh, Rob Blake, Timu Solani, Paul Correa, the list goes on and on, the biggest names in hockey. Um, and, and Rutherford's not at that level in terms of the impact that, he ha- that he's had on a city, but in terms of the, the number of deals that he's made and some of the big names that have gone with him, uh, very, very similar. Uh, and he's known for his bold trades. It became like automatic. Like, you know, that Pittsburgh is going to make a trade at the deadline and probably throughout the year, like you said. Yeah, he, he was very active. He wasn't one just to rest on his team. He was always striving to look for a player to make his team better. Even if they were in first place, even if it was after the draft and the off season, after free agency, when trades generally don't happen. You're, you're, there's very few trades that happen, you know, from July until September, but he was always active, always calling GM. So I am interested to see why he's stepping down because he did mention that he's not done with hockey. He wants to be a GM again. So that is actually pretty interesting to see where this next move takes him because he will be a sought after GM. He's had immense success in his career. He, he built Carolina into a contender, won a cup there, went to Pittsburgh, won a couple cups in Pittsburgh and there are not many GMs out there who are as successful as Jim Rutherford. So with that being said, where do you see him going after this if he is a GM? And B, let's just break down some of his trades because he orchestrated, he already had the tools in place when he came to Pittsburgh. Listen, he had Malkin, he had Crosby, he had Fleury, he had Latang. He had the big pieces in there. He just had to put some tertiary pieces in there, and boy, did he put some tertiary pieces in there. Let's just go to his first major trade. And obviously, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's the Phil Kessel trade. That goes down as his best trade. He gets Phil Kessel from the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is, you know, Toronto was shopping him, but to send him to Pittsburgh, who was already a contender, they had, like I said, Crosby, they had Malkin, they had all these star players. For them to land Phil Kessel during that time frame was an unbelievable trade. 
they, they kind of gave up on Kasperi Kapanen. He was their first-round draft pick. They gave up on him. They gave him a first and a third-round pick. The, the amazing thing for me was they got Toronto to keep some of Kessel's salary cap because Kessel was, at the time, was making $7, 8000000 million. They got Toronto to pick up like $1.2, $1.3 million of his salary for the remainder of his contract, not just for that year. That is insane to me that they, they would somehow wheel and deal that Rutherford gets them to pick up some of his contract when Kessel is in his prime. He was one of the best players in the NHL, and you're getting his former team to pay to play for another team. It's wild to me that he was able to include that into the, into the deal. Like Stuff like that, you don't think about it, but that $1.2 million down the road, you can use that to sign somebody else. You can re-up somebody. That's a big deal. So I don't know, would you, would you qualify that as his best deal? Like, I know he had other great trades, Tim, but what, what do you think about that one? That has to be the best one. When you think about the impact that he had in that roster, I think Kessel spent most of his time on Malkin's line, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and, he, and I know we also had played some a little bit on that HBK line, which we'll talk about in a second. But he instantly clicked in that offense. He won a cup there, obviously. And it, it, it just – I remember thinking as a Boston fan, like, Pittsburgh was already one of the better teams – how, how do they make this work from a cap finding? Like, how do the Penguins always do it? They have, like, a, one of the better teams. They have some superstar that make a ton of money. And then they go and add, like, a player who makes decent chunk of change. I don't know how they – it's like a magician with a salary cap. And Rutherford's really good with that stuff. Yeah, he's very good at finding talent. He obviously has scouts in place. And during that 2016 season, Pittsburgh had – arguably the top two lines in the NHL. They had the Kessel. He was playing with Rust and I think Connor Sheary at the time. They had Malkin. They had James. Uh, James Neal wasn't there, but they had two solid lines and they slotted Kessel in, like you said, with Malkin. During that season, Rutherford went out and picked up two pieces that were instrumental, instrumental in their cup win. A, they go out and they get Nick Bonino, who at the time wasn't a sexy name, you know, but he, he was known around the league as being a good, hardworking player, had some decent hands, play, you know, playing for Vancouver, not really putting up crazy numbers. Pittsburgh gives up Brandon Sutter, who at the time arguably was a better player. But Rutherford knew what he needed. He picked up Bonino. After that, he goes out and he gets a speedy winger to pair with Kessel and Benino and uh, Marcus Hagelin. I play with Hagelin and the Rangers, and he can absolutely fly. That line there won them the Stanley Cup. They took the pressure off Malkin and Crosby. They put up 56 points in the playoffs. Like, that's an insane amount of numbers. They carried that team to a Stanley Cup championship, that, that, uh, that 2016 playoffs. So, and that's all Rutherford. If he doesn't do that, they don't win the Stanley Cup championship. There's no way Pittsburgh wins without that third line. If you were to watch that and roll it back, they dominated other teams' third and fourth lines. When you lined up against Pittsburgh and you match lines, obviously you're going to put your checking line versus Crosby. You're going to put your scoring line versus Malkin because that's who you're going to get your offense again. Malkin doesn't play defense that well. That's who you're going to match up your scoring line with. That leaves you with your fourth line and your third line or second line versus the HBK line. And they just took apart other teams' third and fourth lines. It, it was embarrassing to watch because they were so good. They were so gifted. Hagland and Kessel would fly. Benino would be the grunt. He would do the work in the corners. He, he was great at getting the puck out to those guys, putting it on their tape so they could release it. Hagland would be up and down the ice, you know, running down icings, chasing down defensemen. It was just a really, really, really fun line to watch. So that was one of his better trades, Jim Rutherford. The one I loved, and this is my favorite Jim Rutherford's trade. It took a, he took a lot of flack for this trade. Justin Schultz. 
So Justin Schultz arrived in the NHL. He had, I think he came out of college where he had the pick of the litter. He, he was a free agent. He could sign with any, any team he wanted. He picked the Edmonton Oilers. He saw the young up-and-coming team. He thought he could run and gun with them. It was going to be great. It was the perfect, perfect fit. It was a huge disaster. He came into the NHL with all these expectations. In four seasons with Edmonton, he was a dash 78. That is a lot of minuses. Like, you have to try your hardest to be on the ice for 78 goals and not be on the ice for an offensive defenseman. Like, that's, that's a terrible, terrible stat to have. I could see if you're a shutdown defenseman, you're playing against other teams' top lines, you start a lot of the zones in a defensive zone. I get that. If you're Justin Schultz and you're dash 78, there's something wrong with you. Like, you're, you're not playing that well. So, Rutherford sees this. Latang, you know, he's carrying the luggage in Pittsburgh – he Rutherford can maybe see he's got some, you know, miles on him. He wants to lighten the load a little bit and he goes out. He gets Justin Schultz from Edmonton. And everyone's just like, what are we doing here? We have a contending team. We're picking up this bag of trash. He's just going to be a, a terrible defenseman. Why are we doing this? He shows up in Pittsburgh and he's a new player. He's an absolutely revelation. He comes in, he, he picks up right where he left off from college. He just Edmonton did not exist, and he just carries – I don't want to say he carries that team, but he was a huge part of that Stanley Cup run. Latang got hurt. He had a herniated disc in his neck, and they just plugged Schultz into Latang's spot. He puts up 13 points in 21 games in the playoffs, and some of those were key, key goals. He was an anchor on the power play. He put up 51 points in the regular season, which is, you know, it's not something – that's nothing. That's 51 points, Tim. You know what I mean? So for that trade, for all the pundits, all the media people, all the hockey people, they're like, this is a terrible trade. What is Rutherford doing? He only gave up a third rounder for him and he knocked it out of the park. When you think of Justin Schultz now, you think of Stanley Cup champion. You think a guy who anchored Pittsburgh when Latang went down and he's still a very, very competent defenseman in the NHL. And people killed Rutherford for that. And they never gave him the accolades afterwards. It was like, that was one of my favorite pickups. Did you, do you have any, any other uh, trades you like for him? Well, I actually, I'm glad you talked about the Schultz one. It's, it's my favorite too. I've always had, a, I always, I've always liked him, Schultz. And, and I remember when he came out of Wisconsin, like you said, he had the pick of the litter and he could have picked anyone, picked Edmonton, didn't work out. And most GMs are seeing that kind of like, okay, maybe he had a flash in the pan in college at the NHL level is putting up not, not terrible points, 27, 33, 31. That's, those are decent numbers, especially for a defenseman. But Dash, what do you say, 78? I mean, like, no GMs are going to touch that. And then Rutherford sees something that he likes. He pricks him up. And like you said, 51 points in his first full season with Pittsburgh. Um, so, yeah, Justin Schultz, is, to me, is, is, is just as much up there with the others. But if you look at, like, the, the, the total list, right, of, of players that he's traded and acquired over those years – like it's it's like two different teams, right? Like the names that he's gotten for the what he's given up are just it's incredible, and the the value that he's able to get, um, maybe taking advantage of situations like the Castle one where he's probably a little bit underpriced, maybe selling high on some guys that had a little bit more name value like a Perron or a James Neal, and and buying low on guys like Kessel and Nick Bonino and and Schultz and Hornquist. It's just like this guy just he's just playing a different game when it comes to those trades. Yeah, the Neil one was a, was a head scratcher. So he just gotten the job in Pittsburgh. I think it was three weeks into his tenure, and he trades James Neal. He was he was a star in Pittsburgh. He scored forty goals his first year in Pittsburgh or his second year in Pittsburgh. He was only twenty four years old. 
and he trades him to Nashville for Patrick Hornfist and Spalling. It was very, very strange pick for everybody or trade for everyone involved, but it ended up working out great. Neil never got to the heights that he got with Pittsburgh. You know, he's a solid player. He produced in Nashville, but he never, he never sniffed 40 goals again. And Hornquist turned out to be such a pivotal role player in Pittsburgh where you can kind of plug him into anywhere in the lineup, and he was very, very effective. He, he does the dirty things. He goes in front of the net. He gets under other teams' skin. He draws penalties. He's just a good, good player to have on a team. Like He, he doesn't demand much lip service in the locker room. I, I feel like you just throw skates on him, throw him on the ice, and he does his job. And those guys – are really really great to have especially on a playoff team especially on a team with superstars who you have to kind of pamper them a little bit baby them a little bit make sure they're doing well you know make sure they're feeling okay make sure you know they're in the right headspace. if you got a guy like Hornquist who can play on the first or second line you don't have to worry about him coaches love that so yeah that that was a head scratch that turned out unbelievable but yeah like you said when you look at the stuff the players they received or Rutherford got all of these guys produced to win those Stanley Cups for them. The Kessel, the Hornfist, the Hagelin, the Schultz, Trevor Daly. I don't know if you remember Rob Scuderi. He was a, a good defenseman in his prime. Pittsburgh signed him to a big deal. It was an absolute albatross of a contract. He traded Rob Scuderi for Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly turned out to be a great player for them. You know, a five-six guy who could kill penalties. But more importantly, they got out from Rob Scuderi, who was absolutely awful in the latter stages of his career. He was just—he was too slow. The game had passed him by. So trades like that, little little tinkers. Ian Cole—he was a big part of that team. He's a physical guy in the back end. Ben Lovejoy, a good defenseman, won a cup with him. So little moves like that ended up winning them cups because in this Stanley Cup playoffs, we saw last year with Tampa Bay, it's not the first or second line who is going to win you that cup. It's the third line and fourth line with the Coleman, the Goudreau, and the Gord who won Tampa Bay that cup. It's not your, you know, the first and second lines, they usually kind of even out and they're a mute point, a moot point. It's the third and fourth, it's the depth. That's what's going to win your championships. And Rutherford, he, he was always tinkering at the lineup to try to get those third and fourth lines as strong as he could possibly be. Like you said, working within the salary cap is very hard to do, but man, and he didn't give up many draft picks. That's another amazing thing. He gave up a couple first rounders in 15 and 16, but he didn't mortgage the future. That's about it. He kept all his second, all his thirds. He gained draft picks. He gained a couple second rounders. So all in all, he, he did a great, great job for Pittsburgh. I'm excited to see where he goes. I'm interested to see why he's leaving. I don't know. They started off the year, like I said, really, really well. So who knows? if they win the cup, does he get his name on the cup? Yeah. 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 No way. Not a chance. Yeah. he. Everyone's there because of him. So, yeah. yeah. I don't think so. No way. Anyways, moving on. So we're about how many games in the season, Tim? Uh, six or seven. Seven to ten? Yeah. Seven to ten games. So uh, it's a decent sample size based on the amount of games we're playing. We're playing 56. We're about, yeah, what is that? A, a little less than a quarter way through the season. What less, are your surprises? I don't think anyone's played more than seven games. So it's... Edmonton's three and five, so they played eight. All right, everybody, listen up. Your company's salary cap is probably tighter than it's ever been, and you can't afford to miss on a new hire. Every person you add needs to fit just right, just like Tim does on the podcast. He fits perfect. That's where Indeed helps you hire great people faster. 
Indeed.com is the hiring site that helps you find quality candidates instantly with Indeed Instant Match. So you can do the part you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality short list faster. Now you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed right now. Listen up. Our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is Indeed's best offer anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. What are your surprises so far this season, Tim? I know it's fairly early, but you know we're yeah. getting close to the trade deadline. Whoa. Anything stand out to you? I've got a few. Montreal, we talked about them before. 4-0-2, oh, um, second place in that Canadian North division or whatever, Discover North, whatever it's called. Um, I really like them. And like we said the other day, like now that they're not in our division, is a team I can root for. Uh, they're led by Tyler Toffoli, who's doing really well. He's got five goals and three assists uh, in just six games, which is, which is awesome for him. Jeff Petrie, we talked about him in the bubble. Like he was unreal for them in the playoffs. And we kind of like, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. We didn't think he was really a, a skilled type of player. We could put up numbers in the back end, but he's got seven points in six games. And the, those young studs they have, Tatar, Jerwin, Suzuki, all their smaller, undersized skill guys, each of them have six points in six games. They're, just, they're firing on all cylinders right now. Shea Weber's doing his thing on the back end. I, I mean, if, when you look at this number, John, you look at these, this performance, do you think it's sustainable? Do you think they can keep this up and stay atop in that maybe two or three spot in the north for the rest of the season? Yeah, I feel like it is. Just because of the other teams in that division, they don't seem like they're they're as strong as I once thought they were. Vancouver, they struggled mightily early on, and obviously they, they've gotten the the pill of playing Ottawa where they get their confidence back, and so they've they've demolished Ottawa the last few games. So we'll see if that helps them build some confidence and kind of they can go from there. But the the division is not as strong as I thought it was. You know, Edmonton, they're they're struggling. Calgary is not as deep and strong as I once thought they were going to be. Ottawa is a train wreck. Winnipeg is solid, but they're not scary. And then there's Toronto, who's the best team in the division, I still think. So when you add that all up, Montreal looks pretty solid. And if you're only playing those six teams the whole season and you have their number, which it looks like they do, Montreal's not going to lose a game this year. They're going to go undefeated. They'll have a couple overtime losses there, I called it. It's over. But in all seriousness, though, I think Montreal, they slide into the second or third seed. I still think Toronto is a class of the division. But it is encouraging if I'm Mark Bergevin, all of my offseason moves have looked pretty strong. Anderson, he's a natural fit to Foley. I don't understand why he doesn't get the recognition he deserves because every city he goes – he produces. In Los Angeles, he was a great, great player. He goes to Vancouver last year, slides in seamlessly on that team. He elevates them to a Stanley Cup contender. We were talking about him last year. Comes to Montreal. He's come out of the gate on fire. I don't know why he doesn't get the recognition he deserves, but who knows? He's playing great. Duran has a new purpose to his game. Tatar in that first line, they're doing what they do. So I don't see why they can't keep doing this. You know, they have all the pieces in place and it's just the way we go for them they have a very very exciting young team and i i would be nervous if i was a team playing them in the playoffs because they're they're good and then they have Carey price who is just he's he's the one of if not the best goalies in the world right now so 
I know. I, I like Montreal. Speaking of goalies, though, another team who we wrote off at the beginning of the season who we thought, you know, they're too old, their contracts are too much, they're going to, you know, struggle for the next three, four, five years, their goaling, goalie is willing them to win. That's John Gibson from the Anaheim Ducks. He has almost a 9.50 save percentage. The Ducks are 3-2-2, two, and two, which isn't insane. You know, they're, they're not in first place by any question, but to be 3-2-2 two, and two, if you're the Anaheim Ducks at this point in the season, that is a good start for you. And Gibson, he is the front runner for Avesda right now. He is unbelievable. They're not scoring much. Gibson is winning them games. Don't you think? Like, it's, it's really cool to see a goalie in this day and age where the goalie is kind of an afterthought. I've said it myself. You don't need a good goalie to win Stanley Cup. This guy's he's changing my mind right now because he is winning games. Without him, they're, I think they're 1-4-2 one, one, and two if, if, if it's not for him. Yeah, I mean, because if you look at their record, you say, okay, you're, you're 10 games in, whatever, six, seven five games in, and you think, okay, they're doing better than you think. Their offense must be clicking, right? Maybe Getzloff has some more in the tank. Maybe the second guys, Henrik and, and those other guys, maybe Camp Ballers finally breaking out into a, a stud. Uh, but they're not, and they have just 10 goals in their last six games, so they are not scoring goals. In fact, their leading scorer for points is a guy named Carter Rowney. Never heard of him. With four assists, no goals, four assists goal. in seven games. It's crazy. So it's wild. Um, but Gibson is really the one holding them together. Unlike the Rangers. Have you oh. looked? Like They're one, oh. four, and one right now. They're at the, the bottom of the East. They are below the Devils. They are below the Islanders. They are absolutely atrocious right now. Panarin, he has two goals and four assists in six games. So it's like, okay, he's doing maybe not lighting the lamp, but he's doing what he needs to do. But Mika Zibanejad, we talked about him. He only has one goal, one assist so far. He's been invisible. Makes you wonder if last year was maybe a little bit of a fluke. And then their their superstar stud rookie, Alex Lafreniere, all the hype, has zero points and he's a dash three. He missed an open net on a rebound the other day too. I saw the highlight. The Rangers were your pick to win this division, weren't they? They were up there. What's they going on over there? To win the Stanley Cup, I believe, or get <laughs> to the Stanley Cup. I don't know what it is about me picking teams in the East. I always go for the underdogs who are kind of okay the year prior, and I want to see them really succeed the next year. So last year I picked the Devils. I'm like, they're going to take the next step. They're going to be great. They're going to surprise the people. And I did it this year with the Rangers. I don't know what's going on. They have all the pieces that they need to be successful. They have young, skilled players who can get up and down the ice. They're just not doing it. I don't know what it is. The goalies are playing okay. It's not like they're getting – they got blown out one game by the Islanders, but it's not like they're getting smoked. They just start putting it together. You know, Panarin, he's doing his thing, like I, like you said, but I don't know, Tim. I, I honestly don't know. Zabinijet or Lafreniere is just – he's – I don't know what's going on. He obviously hasn't adjusted to the game like he thought he would. Maybe he came in a little overconfident. Maybe he thought uh, – he read all the articles. He thought he was going to adjust to the NHL speed, the strength, easy. And it, it's different. The NHL is a different animal from the OHL or the Q. And he, if you're not ready for it, you're not going to be able to keep up. And there was no preseason, so he didn't have that time to kind of acclimate himself. I don't know. It, it's, it's not a look good. It's not a good look when you see other rookies around the league just – going nuts like this guy in minnesota the capriel kralin or whatever his name is caprizov he caprizov he's lighting it up the there's that pious in chicago who's doing well all these other rookies they are 
they're being pretty productive. They're, they're playing well. So for him to have zero points and a minus three, and he's getting ice time, he's getting power play time. It's not like he's, you know, buried on the bench. It's not a good start for Lafreniere. And but, a, hu- you know. a huge part of their, why they're not doing well is their goalies. They have Georgiev and Shesterkin. Their goals against, respectively, 266, 298, save percentage 896, 886, 1 and 2, 0 oh and 2. Bad. Like, uh, Come on, save percentage below in. 9. But it's not like they're getting – they're not letting in terrible goals. Like, they haven't been playing terrible where they're like, oh, they should have saved that goal. They're giving up goals that they should have given up. You know, there's a couple outliers, but I, I don't, I'm not going to blame them. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe they need John Tortorella to come back in and, and straighten things out. I don't know. But I hope they figure it out. It, it's good for the league when the Rangers are good. And, man, if they are they're, – they're last place. They're it's, last place in that division. It's like, crazy, yeah. With this shortened season, I don't know if there's enough time. Honestly, honestly, they've only played six games. If they don't pick it up in the next four games, if they go the first ten games and they're like two seven and three or two seven and one, there, there's no coming back from that. Like, there's just not enough time to get back those points. I know you're playing the teams that you have to catch, but it's just really, really hard. It is really, really hard in a shortened season when you dig yourself that kind of hole. But anyways, I don't know. Speaking of digging yourself a hole, how about those Predators and Blue Jackets and Hawks? They're top three, Tim. One, two, three. They're going to win. They're going to win the division. I thought those – I said those teams were going to be in the bottom. Why? It's unbelievable. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super misleading. If you look at the standing for the South Division, uh, and that's the – who knows what – I forget the name of the division. It's super misleading. The Preds – Blue Jackets and Hawks are one, two, and three in that division, but it's all because of COVID. This is the division that's lost a ton of games. The Stars lost games. The Hurricanes have lost games. The Panthers have lost games. And the Stars are actually 3-0. and The Panthers are 3-0. and The Lightning are 3-1. and But their points total is lower because they've only played a couple of games compared to the Preds and BJs, Blue Jackets, who haven't lost any, right? It's like it's crazy that if you look at the season ended now, those teams missed the playoffs. So this 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 division is going to be really wild to think about like over the next week or two to think about like the major swings, like one game, the guys, the team's going to go from like sixth place to second by beating one team and just flipping because they're all so tight right now. Yeah, that'll be the exciting thing about having just interconference games is just the maneuvering when we come down the stretch. If if you're playing a team that you're chasing, it's a four-point swing. So that'll be the exciting thing in the last week of the season when you will play five games in eight nights or nine nights, and you could potentially go from last place to second place. So that'll it'll be neat to see. But, yeah, it's misleading, like you said. The the Stars, they look really, really good. Like, they've, they've, they've played three games. They've given up how many goals? Three goals in three games. They've scored 12. Joe Pavelski is on fire. Like I expected, I didn't know what to expect from the stars. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I thought they might regress. You know, they overseeded expectations last year. They lost Corey Perry. He was kind of one of those guys who you rallied around. I didn't know what to expect. Hudobin's played solid. The offense is just clicking on all cylinders. Pavelski, Radulov, those guys are playing really, really good. Are Have we gotten the stars wrong all along? Last year, this year, are we just undercutting them every time they it just seems like no one wants to see them win or everyone expects them to see them lose and then they just keep 
just winning. It's so, I like to see it, but man, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't know why. I don't know why we can't just say the Stars are a good team. I really don't know why. <laughs> I don't either. And it's not that just though they're three, they're not just winning games. They're curb stomping the other teams. 12-4, three against, like that's insane. And it's just crazy to think that like they don't have, I mean, they have good players. They don't have a superstar. They, the goalie, I mean, do you, do you trust Hidobin now? Are you ready to say Hidobin is a top goalie in this league? Because he's playing like no. it, and he played like it last year too. You know what I mean? No, I don't know I, what's I'm not. Back. No, I just think it's his age, it's his track record, it's the fact he's never been a starting goaltender for a team for a complete season. He he's a good backup. He's a good, I would say, a timeshare split goalie, not even a backup. But I I can't give him that yet. You know, until he plays 20, 20 games into the season, if he's a starting goaltender for. 17 to the 20, 16 to the 20, and he's still putting up good numbers, then yes, I'll say, okay, you know, I was wrong. You're a good starting goaltender. But as of now, they played three games. Like, let's pump the brakes. We'll check back in with them when, you know, 10 games have gone by, and we'll see where they're at. But, man, I tell you what, after three, they look really, really good. The Panthers, they're a sneaky 3-0. and The Lightning, you know, we know they're going to be good. But like we said at the beginning of the season, that division is the worst division. The Hawks are garbage. The Blue Jackets, they might be good. The Predators, who knows? But it's the Lightning's division to lose, and I still believe that. Lightning will come out on top. But, hey, if you have the Dallas Stars team and the Panthers team that are competitive, it could be a fun division. Does Hedoman's, like play over the last year and a half remind you at all of Tim Thomas? The, Timmy Thomas. Um, the, the renaissance very late in his career, playing his best hockey at age 34 or whatever, 35. It's uh, kind of a similar personality. He's like the blue collar lunch pail approach, kind of an odd guy. It just, it, I, it just makes, it reminds me of, of Thomas a little bit. Timmy Dunkin' Donuts. Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I could see the comparison there. Yeah. I, I like that comparison because Timmy Thomas, he, he rose to fame so quickly and Boston just embraced him, won that cup, and then he was gone. He was nowhere to be seen. So I loved his mask. I loved his mask. I don't know why there's no masks like that anymore. It was just – it had so much character. He would always, like, fling it off, and, like, it was just great. His mustache under there. I wonder what he's up to. He was a controversial cat because he didn't go to the White House after they won the cup because I don't think he liked Obama – yeah. I don't know what it was. Well, they also just like retired out of nowhere and, and went into the mountains for a couple of years in Colorado and just hibernated. He's a strange dude. He was a strange, strange guy. Aren't goalies always strange? Yeah. Usually they have a couple ticks that are a little strange, but that's, that's, that's beyond a goalie. That's like, you're just a weird (laughs) guy. Like I'm, I'm not going to let you babysit my kids. Not because you're gonna, you know, do anything. Just because you're a weird guy. Don't like. I'm not calling him a pedophile or anything. But he's just a weird dude. You know what I mean? There's some people you would not want to, you know, spend a weekend with. <laughs> yeah, I would what spend about, a night with him to see what he's like. I don't know. I'm digging myself a grave here. He's gonna show up at my front door. What about Jimmy Howard? He's in the headlines now. He just retired today. Good. He had a good season. Good career. He should have retired yeah. three years ago. I don't know. Yeah, uh, he played 11 seasons, and I was looking at his record, 246 wins, 196 losses, 70 overtime losses, which is probably better than I would have thought, considering that most of his career was on the Red Wings when they were really bad. But he had some really awesome... They weren't bad early on when he was there. They had Zetterberg, they had Datsuk, they had a solid team. You got to let me finish my point, Sean. 
Well, you just said he was on a Red Wings team that was bad. No, that was most of the time he was there, they were bad. But the okay, early so season go in ahead. his career, when they were good, he had three seasons in a row. We had 35-plus wins. Uh, he was an all-star three times. It's just the Red Wings have been bad so recently. That's like the, the image of Jimmy Howard you have on your mind. He also was an Olympian for Team USA in 2014. Didn't play, but still nice to have that on your resume. So from all accounts, I've heard he's a really nice guy too. Um, I wonder if he does anything after hockey, but he's such a – there's not much of a personality there, not much of a personal brand. I kind of think he just – we never hear from Jimmy Howard again. Which is perfectly fine. He made a lot of money in his career. He signed a big deal. That's why he kept playing. Like, let's be brutally honest. Like, he, he had no business being in the league the last few years. Well, I shouldn't say no business. He was still a good goalie. But his career proves my point that you don't need a good goalie to win a Stanley Cup. So when he was on a Detroit team that was good, he won a lot of games. When he was on a Detroit team that was bad, he did not win a lot of games. So – it was not his skill level at all that won games or lost games. He was just a media, a good goalie who did what he had to do. He stopped the puck when he had to. He let it in when he had to. So he didn't win Detroit any games. He didn't lose them any games. Maybe he lost more than he won. But, you know, 11 seasons for goalie, it's a good career. He was a starter in the NHL for, gosh, seven or eight of those, maybe, maybe five or six that's a good career for him. You know, he wasn't a high draft pick. He was in the second round, 64th overall to Detroit. Good for him, you know. I think he goes off. Like you said, he made the Olympic team in 2014. Didn't play, but good career, for, good career, Jimmy. You know what I mean? I'm happy for you. But, no, I don't think he's going to make any noise after hockey. I, I don't know his personality at all. I've never talked to him. I've played against him a, a bunch of times. But, you know, he's not – he's he, good. Good, Jimmy. Good for you. I don't know. What else do you want me to say? It's Jimmy Howard. It's not like, it's not, you know, it's not like Henrik Lundqvist. He's Jimmy Howard. Like, good. I'm sure he tried to find a team to tag along with this season, but he couldn't find it. He had some offers maybe, but nothing came to fruition. And the way the, the NHL association does their insurance is they, they give you like a month into the season to find a team. And if you don't find a team, then they cut you off from the insurance. So I'm sure he just – wait until the insurance was up and then he's like, I retire. <laughs> so that's, that's what I did. Cause I, I it's funny. I, I did something. I said something on my social media account where I was like, I retire. And my agent texts me. He's like, don't say that because then you won't get your insurance for the next three months. Cause it was just at the start of the summer or something. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I had to retire like a month into the season. So that's, that's how it goes. Did you delete that tweet? No, but I, I just I back I backed off of it when reporters called me. <laughs> yeah. like, Do you really retire? I was like, no, I was just I was just joking around. I was just joking around. <laughs> so I like because the the insurance it's a good good health insurance like it pays for everything dental yeah. and everything, which is huge now because I got a kid who needs like braces and my I don't have dental like braces insurance so I got to pay it out of my pocket. It's gonna be a couple a couple thousand bucks. You know? I retired. I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> Vander. Oh, oh, Vander, you crazy kid, you. All right, Tim, I think that's enough. Anything else you want to tell our fans? Uh, yeah, just if you're not following already, we created an Instagram account for dropping the gloves. That's dropping underscore the underscore gloves. Follow it out for more content. We're, you know, show highlights, behind the scenes stuff. We'll do, we'll do some giveaways coming up. So go ahead and give that a follow if you're on Instagram. Tim, why do you do the underscore between dropping the gloves? Why not just one word? It was taken. Who has dropping the gloves Instagram? Someone else just randomly has it. 
you should, we should try and try to acquire that. Yeah. What's, what's my budget? I don't know. Tell him we'll send him a signed card because <laughs> the guy who has John Scott.com, I'm not a fan. He's a politician, I I right? I don't know who he is. I thought he was a real estate guy. <laughs> I don't know. That's sure. That shows you how much I go to his website. But anyways, because I, I really don't like my website name. I think it's very conceited. It's, it's johnscottallstar.com. It's, I, I hate it, to be honest with you. I don't like it at all. I wish I would have never gotten it. John underscore scott.com. There you go. Is that available? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about this. Let's circle back offline. All right, everybody. Um, thanks for listening. We appreciate the support. I hope everybody has a good weekend. Get out there. Have some fun. The weather's going to be nice. Get out there and ski and skate. Enjoy this beautiful winter weather we have. Cheers, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind-the-scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise, including T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time.